Hi, Merlin. Hello. How are you today? I'm good. I'm playing with my watch. Which watch are you got on? The Apple Watch? Oh, no. It's my, um, oh, you know, it's my Rolex <clears throat> Bombardier. Uh-huh. That's a good one. What year is mm-hmm. that from? Oh, it's, I don't know, like probably from like the 20s. It's got uh, got a royal crown uh-huh. and uh, self-winding piston rims. Uh-huh. Cool. And it's uh, water resistance to uh, up to something. That's very cool. It's a dive watch. Right. This is really, really interesting. Yeah. I, have, I, have a, I have a great life hack. What is, is it? Is this the show? Yeah, this is a show. Why not? Did you get your ice cast on? I was still, still working on uh, tweaking that. We, I did a major, major server, uh, re, you know, new, new servers, new infrastructure, new everything. And the last little thing that I'm messing with is the IceCast uh, server, which is how okay, we so stream this, this the is show. The, this is the show. Is this what is the, this totally is the show. Okay. Um, I was just going to mention in passing that um, theater mode on the Apple Watch is really cool. It's, it's such a simple little tweak. But it's really useful because, you know, it, if you have it where it uh, wakes when you move your wrist, it can be, you know, fairly bright, whether that's at, at nighttime or, you know, obviously when you're in a theater, some kind of a dark situation, you don't want to look like a douche with your, with your watch lighting up. Like, look at me. I got All a watch. Right, yes. So, so basically, it's, I mean, this is a fair, I, I just want to mention that I think it's great also for podcasts because here's what it does. Um, it basically silences notifications and noises. You still get a haptic buzz. If there's a notification. Right. So, I mean, if you want all that totally off, you could put it into, um, what was it called? Like, is it do not disturb? What do they officially call it? It's, uh, you know, moon mode. Moon, moon mode. You could put it into moon mode. But basically what this does is it silences it. You know, and you, I guess if you want to be really thorough, you could just go into moon mode. and That way your phone won't uh, make noises either. Do not disturb, I think it's called. But uh, but I like it. I like knowing. I like, you know, I, I, I really, it's very stressful for me when I hit my phone and there's like, I have to scroll to see all the notifications. It's very stressful for oh, yeah, me. I believe you. And um, so I wanted to mention that. And then, you know, in finding a supporting link to put into our show notes, I was looking around and I discovered this great thing. At first I saw this and I, I laughed because I saw iMore has an article called How to Use Theater Mode on the Apple Watch written by friend of the show, Serenity Caldwell and uh-huh. Renee Ritchie. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and so I was guessing that the answer is uh, click the theater mode button because that kind of seems like the end of it. Like right. if you've got the software, you hit, hit a button. It doesn't really need an article. But with that said, she has a great tip that I think is a really neat idea. Um, you scroll down the page. This is in show notes. How to minimize light from your Apple Watch in a theater setting. This is so smart. And basically the idea is, I know you're not an Apple Watch user, but you're familiar enough and yeah, our yeah, listeners are, are out there. So what you do is you create a new face. Um, in the dingus, you, uh, in this case, you, she suggests modular, which I think is a good face. That's my go-to face. So basically this is such a hack. You create a new face called modular. You set the color to red and then you, you go in and you click on each complication and set it to off. And what you end up with is the time very small and red, oh, right? like, you know, darkroom style. And then there's the trick. Uh, this is a, I don't know if you've used it since this came along, but in recent uh, versions, you now have the ability, if, if your face is off and you very lightly scroll up on the crown, it kind of reverse theater lighting, like it turns it up right. just a little bit. Yeah. It's a really cool idea. So I'm, I'm making that. And then, you know, obviously this seems like very fussy, 
but you only have to do it one time. And then, you know, you got a uh, go-to watch face for when you want to not look like a douche. That's really smart. And I because thought that was of all, really smart. Of all the lights that are going to be least offensive and least visible, it's the red light anyway and making it small. You know, and that's one of those things that when you hear, I hear you describe it, it seems incredibly obvious. Never occurred to me. But I was going to say, I never in a million years <laughs> would have thought of this. Yeah, this will not f offset the uh, the teen couple at the end of the road who who uh, at the end of our row who who took selfies through the entire movie one time, right? You know, but at yeah. least you you do your part. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you got to do you what know. you can do. Sh- share the load. Of course. Yeah. So I've got some. Uh, how's it going? Oh, really good. I've got some odds and sods. Uh, we've got a couple updates on things we talked about recently. Uh, and uh, I've got some interesting little techie uh, odds and sods and a couple of very difficult questions from listeners. Two questions from listeners that I don't even have an answer to, but I thought we could talk about it and try to figure it out. Yeah, I'm down for it. Yeah. Uh, Dan, as much as you can say, uh, where would people find uh, show notes for episode 319? 319. You can go to... 319. F- yeah, 5x5.tv slash a B as in boys, two as in the number... W is in women slash three one nine nine times nine times primrose path <laughs> with your knees you shouldn't be throwing Don't anybody yet <laughs> true <laughs> she keeps pulling out the pencils that's funny it's a funny movie holds up sure surely does uh, boom, boom, boom. Let my Cameron go. I mean, it's still a good movie. The act, the acting in it's still good. Mm-hmm. It's is is that um, that's John Hughes, right? Yes, I believe I yeah. believe it is. It's kind of the uh, swan song of the teen John Hughes period in some ways, because I mean that's after seeing almost you know after that that rash of yeah. you know Brat Pack movies. Um, have you ever looked at the Wikipedia page for the Brat Pack? I have not. What what's there? Anything good? Like so many wonderful things on Wikipedia, it's it, it's very it takes this topic very seriously. And there's um, several paragraphs on how to determine who is in the brat pack and the sort of Talmudic method by which you determine. <laughs> okay. The term brat pack, a play on rat pack from the fifties and sixties, popularized in a nineteen eighty five New York magazine cover story which described a group of highly successful film stars in their early twenties. Um and so basically, the, the basic thing is, did you appear in either The Breakfast Club and or St. Elmo's Fire? And so that gives us uh, Emilio Estevez, Anthony Michael Hall, Rob Lowe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Absent from most lists is Mayor Winningham, the only principal member of either cast who never starred in any other films with any other cast member. So that she's right out. They said uh, uh, Emilio Estevez was the, uh, cited as the unofficial president of the Brat Pack. And uh, there's lots more in here. And then there's others. You get this Rat King. You get all the people in The Outsiders. You get a Tom Cruise, a C. Thomas Howell. You get a Matt Dillon, a Patrick Swayze, a Ralph Macchio, you know, sometimes included. James Spader and Robert Downey, considered members, performed alongside, et cetera, et cetera. I'll put it in show notes. The Brat Pack. How do you determine? How does it even work? I mean, for me, I think definitely... Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club is my is my go-to starting point for that. Mm-hmm. I've never, I've never seen St. Elmo's Fire. I mean, I know the, I know the Man in Motion song. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know how that one would hold up. I've seen Breakfast Breakfast Club in recent years, and I thought I still enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if St. Elmo's Fire. I only remember the one scene in El, St. Elmo's Fire where the girls like, I made my peanut butter sandwich, and it was my peanut butter in my apartment, and on my bread. 
And, and and the rest of the movie is a null void for me. I think you got uh, Chris Trigger play saxophone in that. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of dramatic scenes with like windows open and the the drapes blowing very dramatically. Oh, and it's, it sounds insufferable. I don't. I never saw it. <laughs> I think we it's should about, watch it as a thought rec- experiment. Okay, we'll do it for a show. Recent graduates <laughs> of Georgetown University and their adjustment to their post university lives and the responsibilities of encroaching adulthood. Wow. Uh huh. Mm. Uh huh. Every day somebody's born who's never seen St. Almost Fire. That's true. Mm. But I, f- I feel like, what about all the other, what about like Better Off Dead and the Cusack movies? Oh, sure. Like I say anything. I mean, I was, yeah, say anything. That's not a Brad Pack film, though. He's not a Brad Packer. No, I don't think so. Kickbo- kickboxing, Sport of the Future. Sport of the Future. You got, um, uh, what's the one where he goes skiing with the guy? There's the ski movie with uh, yeah. John Cusack. Isn't that Better Off Dead? Ski School? Better Off Dead. Better, Better Off, off dead. dead. Probably. Skiing. Skiing was, was big in the 80s. Which, uh, yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. Okay, so uh, if you want to learn more about that, you can check out Wikipedia. I sent you a photo the other day that we should probably discuss just a little bit. Okay. It's a real creeper photo. But I sent you a photo of the FedEx guy. Yes, and uh, I approve of this. This is very much up my alley of yeah. as far as things to do. First of all, my first thing that I noticed was the yeah. hair color. It's bright. It's very it used bright. used to be purple, and now it's FedEx green. Look at that. Can, you see that? Yes. I mean, if you're to take a dropper, I think the the uh, I think <laughs> it's very dropper, similar. Because yeah. mm-hmm. he's such a company man. Enjoy. Uh-huh. So I'm going to make this a study, you know, as I reacquaint myself with the neighborhood. And um, I, uh, I'm going to make a study of this, and I'm going to keep taking creeper pictures of this guy. And uh, I'll give you a better, more rounded view. And then eventually, maybe, you know, get the money shot, I'll be able to uh, record him throwing a box onto my porch and saying, enjoy. We need a name for him. Well, Joe Green, Joe Green, no, mean Joe Green, be, mean Joe Green. It should not be too much based on. Maybe we'll just call him Harry. Hmm. I, you Harry, know, the other Harry thing that struck me about this guy as I'm looking at the picture, he's older than you thought. He's I. I imagined. I don't know why you never said, but I imagined him in in his sort of twenties. And this guy is uh, he's ho- at least hoary, hoary and wisened with age. H O A R Y. He looks so much like a friend of mine who used to work at Apple. How do you know it's not him? I don't. I don't know. But it seems like he would recognize me when he throws my blue apron in my face and says, enjoy. But what a piece of work. Anyway, that's a, you know, developing, developing story. I'll, I'll keep an eye on that for you. Um, can I do a couple more uh, sods and odds? Yes, go ahead, caller. Oh, thank you. Excuse me. I had a seltzer. Um, you know, I, I keep forgetting to uh, to promote this, and you know, it's a thing I want to promote. Just in brief, um, Ungainly X Man Meetup Number Sixteen, Two Cats Comics. Please come out Thursday, April twenty seventh, from seven thirty to nine. You've heard about this before. If you're in town, if you're near town, people come in from the Bay Area. They'll they'll come in and they'll visit. Sometimes people are in town for an event and they'll, and they'll pop in. But I'm just saying, if you're around, you can go to MerlinM.com slash meetup and get more details on this. This is a very fun event where we just hang out at a comic book store for a while and then go get a drink. It, it's, it's a lot of fun. Wear deodorant. That's all I'm saying. Well. Yeah. So you got to remind people sometimes. Uh, it's, has uh, that it's been a problem fun. or is this just a sort oh, of a pro- PSA? Problem such a problematic word. No, it's, 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 it's really so, nice. You know, sometimes uh, there's been women there sometimes. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's often, often men, but they're, but they're nice people and they're often very, uh, what's nice is a lot of them are very introverted. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Hanging out with introverts can be fun. 
So anyway, I think I've sold it pretty well here. I think so. You come out to the Ungainly X-Man meetup number 16, and that's at Two Cats Comics, 320 West Portal Avenue in San Francisco. Uh, it is uh, Muni accessible. Please, please, please come and visit. I think that's got to be a big, big part of it is the Muni accessibility. Oh, I wouldn't do it if it weren't. Like, yeah. you know, a bunch of the nerds are coming to town for the, for the WWDC. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to see any of them. No. They're going to be down in San Jose. You know, I remember the first time that I came to San Francisco and I said, hey, you know, I've got this place we could record. And you said, yeah, it, it, you know, it, it'll only cost me $100 and two hours of time to get out. I'm like, really? And it, I mean, it does. It's it's hard to believe how, how first of all, San Francisco, I think for those of us. Really who've, small. Yeah. Very small. We've only come there as as guests. So we only know like. We're WWDC nerds. Yeah, We've been know, to you Moscone, know Moscone and, and you know Westfield it. Mall, pretty right, much. Yeah. Right. But it's not like no, that. No, it's funny. I, I had a, um, one morning I had to, maybe, you know, oh, you know what? Yes. Okay. It's exactly what you're describing. It's when we uh, went to the code place where my friend Lance used to work. Oh, what's that great place? They gave us pint glasses. Was it New Relic? Called? New Relic. Is that right? I think so. We went there and then we went. Yeah, where we had that little little recording room in there. Yeah, and, that was and it. The, the Uber that morning <laughs> from inside San Francisco, it took about 45 minutes. How much was it? I think it was like, it was like 60, 70 bucks. Yeah, it was expensive. So crazy. It's so <laughs> maddening. Um, yeah, That's what people, people will come to Austin. It's, it's nowhere near as difficult to get around here, I think, because everyone has a car. But you don't have the ride sharing. But now. we don't have any ride sharing now. And the, their public transportation is non-existent here. And people will come for South by and they'll be like, hey, well, you know, come on to hang out. I'm like, you don't understand. Like yeah. to get downtown from what normally takes us less than 15 minutes from where I, I live and work to into downtown during South by, that's a 30 to 45 minute drive. Parking is another hour if you can get any, and it oh, will cost fifty dollars to park that's for such an a hour. huge part. That's such a huge part of it. I, mean, I, I, I think I have unintentionally, or maybe somewhat intentionally, set myself up as the anti-car, anti-driving guy. And I, I don't mean to be a firebrand about it, but there's just so much about it that is just a gross pain in the butt. I mean, in Florida, you had to have a car, oh, yeah. and you had to get in it for twenty minutes to go almost anywhere, and that was just you know the cost of doing business, but. It's it is it is very privileged of me to say, but like once you've gotten away to that from that, and you have public transit plus walkable neighborhoods, that feels like a total donkey drill. Here, here's a factoid for you. This is crazy. This is this is one of those headlines. You just you sort of like there was that headline I want to say yesterday about how Tesla was briefly um, stock wise, I guess whatever was more profitable than GM, something like that. I mean, it's one of those headlines where you're like, how, how could anything even approaching that ever happen? It feels like a great couple of years for those sorts of things. Here's one. This is a headline, um, from yesterday. The biggest cab company in San Francisco is yellow cab. And it's a, I think it's kind of a collective, but you know, long story short, it is, you know, three, 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 three. It's, it's yellow cab. Um, I think they went into, I want to say bankruptcy and they sold to a competitor yesterday. They finalized this deal to sell the biggest cab company in San Francisco for $810,000, which I, I, I obviously that sounds like a lot of money. That's like the cost of part of a house here, but, uh, that's astonishing G given like what it used to mean to have a medallion, you know, even like five years ago. It's crazy. Isn't that I, nuts? Yeah, it really is. I, I just, 
Yeah, I just think I think people underestimate the 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 way this really works, especially Wait, which which part the ride sharing stuff. Yeah, the ride sharing stuff. Mm-hmm. Because we had this huge debacle here about it. Did you hear that? About yeah, that? I was I was aware that they they basically made it ill. They basically ran Uber out of town, right? Yeah, they no, not basically. They exactly what they did. They they specifically said, "Hey, Uber, you're not welcome here." Yeah, Don't do Uber that and Lyft going to be trouble. Yeah, you can't do it. And Lyft too. That's really interesting. Yeah, Lyft to all of that because I they I guess there was the way they kind of framed it, which apparently was not the real reason at all, was that they were saying that it that people weren't having the right amount of background checks or something like that in order to uh in order to make it like safe and and right. so because they weren't doing the background checks and Uber was saying, Well, we don't it's going to t- take too much time and cost too much money or something like that, then that's what how they got them to be forced out. But really, that wasn't the reason at all. And people, of course, were very upset because obviously ride sharing, whether it's Uber, the company we, we love to hate or whatever, whether it's them or someone they're, they're else. Kind of a terrib- they're kind of a terrible company. They seem like it, but... They've, they've done a lot of terrible things. Yeah, but I mean, it, if you weigh that against like the, the, the potential for people to drive drunk, I mean... It, I'd rather have yeah. Uber as a terrible company than have people dying in, in drunk driving accidents. Yeah, no, if you no, I, the feel choice. You. I feel you. It's, it's, it's super complicated. We're in such a very interesting time right now that it reminds me, I don't know, it's, it, it, it has echoes of the dot-com era. Um, it has echoes of several things. But th- there's some, with the gig economy stuff the way it is right now, uh, I do, we do a, a fairly huge amount of gig economy things. Uh, primarily, like I just, I just don't go to the grocery store anymore. There's a service that we use that will go to like six or eight different stores, you know, including Costco. So we don't even need to have a Costco membership anymore. So if I want to get my uh, environmentally damaging uh, eggs, thank you everyone who responded. <laughs> what's, so what's the matter? Is the shell not good? They're shelled. They already have the shells off of them. You just eat them like a person. Um, you do that, and but you know, but I don't feel great about that. There's a lot of things that we outsource that are actually kind of shockingly cheap in a lot of cases. Think about, I mean, you know, obviously Amazon Prime is a very interesting and complex example. And it's not strictly gig economy, although a fair amount of stuff does get delivered by these kind of weird third-party-ish things. But, you know, is that sustainable for for anybody else? <laughs> but Amazon, what do you yeah. pay? You pay 80 bucks, 100 bucks a year? Yeah, you I think get, it's, like, it's crazy. In San Francisco, there's a huge amount of stuff that has like same day delivery. It doesn't go for Amazon Prime now, but I, I'm given to believe, even though Prime Now and Amazon Prime, so Prime Now is basically a usually two hour window uh, for having all kinds of stuff delivered to your house and like a very, like a, a lot of stuff, right? So if you want an Eero in two hours, like they'll, they'll bring it to your house. Um, can't get a Google uh, Chromecast, <laughs> but. Anyhow, um, obviously that's not sustainable for most other companies, but the reason I say it has echoes of the dot-com era is like, you know, these gig economy services, like it seems like they're not so great for a lot of the people that work for them. I guess that varies a lot, but um, it's just, I guess what I'm saying is it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out, if this shakes out to a point where the need or desire for something like this, um, I mean, I think it's there. I think people... This is something people want. People like stuff like TaskRabbit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
you know? I mean, Instacart, anytime I go to Whole Foods, there's 20 Instacart people frantically running around inside of there at buying groceries. Yeah. I have mixed feelings, but that's the service that I use. But, um, and boy, you you know, the thing you got to remember anytime you use Instacart, you got to go in. It defaults to no tip and 10% fee. (laughs) And you got to always remember to turn off the fee and change it to a tip. Why would, is is the fee their tip in that case or? They have this, don't, please don't email me about this. I know about this. I've gotten the flyers. I know about this. I'm, I'm, I'm a woke Twitter ally. I am on your side, people. (laughs) I like that. I like that. I I tip 10 to 15% for people to bring water to my home. I'm doing my part. But, um, no, but I mean, they did this change a while back where I think their margins are pretty thin. I mean, you pay something like 80 bucks a year and people just bring groceries to your house, you know, usually within two hours. Uh, and it is addictive. Suddenly, like going to Safeway and finding a parking space and getting the the cart. I mean, I, again, totally privileged, understood. Like I accept that. But uh, if you have the means, I can highly recommend it. It's mm-hmm. it's it's not super costly. For most stores, it's the same cost as in store. And then you hopefully are a good person and give the give a tip. But like you could if you were a scoundrel, you could get all of your cat food and all of your heavy items, you could get that delivered for a full year for like eighty bucks. Which if you think about what your time is worth, that's that's a pretty good deal. So I, I guess I feel like, you know, especially living here and having access to so many things like this, I think the demand is there. Then the question becomes, well, how do you make it sustainable in terms of making it, you know, sustainably profitable, sustainably like manageable, you know, and does, does that mean you pay $500 a year to get this service? In which case I think it might still very well be worth it to be candid. If it's, if it is really reliable and maybe you get to where you have like a, a bespoke person that you deal with for these things. I don't, I don't know, but a lot of people have favorite cab drivers that they always call. They, they give them a card and say, yeah. Hey, you know, when you want to ride from the airport, you know, give me a call. And I've done that. I've done that. It's, it's nice to work with the same people. So I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of rambling here, but I guess what I'm saying is like, as somebody who has been living in this, like, I think the demand is there. The question now becomes, how do you make it responsible and, and sustainable. And I think that's very much unanswered at this point. Yeah. I mean, there, and again, it, like to me, the, this is the kind of thing that we all really, really want. We all really want this type of convenience. And how do we go, how do we take that into the future? I mean, the idea, I remember when Uber first came out, the first time I went to a big city and got to use it, I think it was Dallas. Uh, I can't remember, uh, maybe San Francisco and like the idea of like tapping something on my phone and like a car pulls up or picking something on a website and like someone has picked my food, brought it to the house. Like it, it seems that's the promise of the future that we always, of course I always imagined those things would be robots and the cars would be flying, but it, Mm -hmm. you know, still like that feels like the future very much. I, I agree. And it's, but I mean, it is um, disruptive in, in numerous ways and in, in, in those very interesting ways where, you know, again, that's old point on this show. Like whenever you're trying to look at change in the future or just trying to look at understanding anything, try and account for as many of the variates as you can, because, you know, obviously, you know, you could be paying somebody slave wages to do really hard work. Well, that's not a very nice thing to do. Like you got to think about the other things. And, you know, again, thinking about like what this means for what Airbnb means. Airbnb is terrifying to me. I would personally, I can't imagine, I've only ever stayed in Airbnb things accidentally because somebody in my family did it. I have no desire to work with that company. I think the whole thing is creepy. 
they're finally cracking down here on people who basically were turning apartment buildings into hotels and were getting away with it. So they've kind of forced Airbnb to crack down on the whole like, you know, one rental, one owner thing. I don't know how well that's working, but that's that's a real problem in a city that is already straining for capacity yeah. in terms of rentals. Yeah. It's really, really, it's a huge problem. Um, but there's all kinds of, uh, multi, you know, as I say, kind of multivariate ways to look at this. Think about th- this uh, headline I've been seeing a lot in the last mm, few weeks. Starbucks, you know, used to be with Starbucks, you know, Starbucks made their bones by being a place where you could get sort of like McDonald's, right? Where you could go and maybe it's not the best cup of coffee you ever have, but it was the same cup of coffee anywhere you go in America, in the world, right, really. Right, right. And it was pretty quick. You go in, they had a, they had an assembly line. And when it got busy, they had this the scale to be able to deal with that. Well, the story goes now that a lot of people are real mad at Starbucks about the lines. Well, what caused the lines? The lines are caused by mobile orders. So they don't have the capacity right now to deal with that. They're still operating mostly as if, I mean, like they always say, like uh, wages are usually the highest, you know, cost for anybody who's running a, a retail or service thing, right? So, I mean, for us, that's real convenient. I just call 20 minutes before I want a coffee and then I waltz in and get it. But then all the people who are coming in, so what does that mean? That pushes them out to want to go use the mobile app more, making the problem worse. And that's still not going to be the thing where, a thing where they can, like, given the space that they've got, are they going to be able to double their number of everything in order to accommodate that capacity? And who knows if that capacity will continue at that level? Right, right. It's just, it's it's really complicated. Or in the, and obviously in the case of Uber, like nobody loves using Uber. I mean, they're really, really gross. But like Uber would not have made any foothold in this city. And I, I, I'm sorry to repeat this, but like cabs just won't come to my neighborhood. It's too far away. Yeah. The scale was not there. There was way more money to be made by staying in the same two by two mile area and just going back and forth with a guaranteed ride every direction. Nobody wants to come out to East Intercourse Actually, Western, of course, is where I live. Nobody wants to come all the way out here and maybe not even get a ride, you know, back. And then, you know, so what what happened? They got their lunch eaten by this company that wasn't following the rules. <laughs> and then they did stuff like, oh, no, no, no. Now we have this this app that you can use to get a cab. And I tried the app to get a cab. And it just it was just basically a more convenient way to not have the problem solved. They still wouldn't come out. Anyway, <sighs> interesting times. Yeah. And the taxis here are terrible. Yeah. Terrible. Uh, you know, and the thing is with, with Uber, like I've had so many like really good experiences and then a handful of just terrible, you know, uh, just crazy stuff. I mean, there's the minor stuff like clearly this person's been working here for two days and they don't understand. You know, you don't have to go on the highway for everything. I know the dingus is telling you, do not, you don't need to do that. Right. There's a shortcut. You just go down Clipper, the magic street in San Francisco. Well, see, but that's the thing. Clipper and, and Pine. Learn Clipper and Pine, the two magic streets. There there are magic streets in, in a lot of cities. We have a lot of magic streets here. But the problem is, and this is the weird thing to me, is that I oftentimes will have to go somewhere in the morning that involves like getting on the interstate. Not all the time, but occasionally. And... What's astounding to me is you you can tell when you're on the interstate in the morning in rush hour time. You can look at the person who's in the car next to you and you you kind of get a sense that this they're on their commute. You know what I mean? There's people who you can tell are not on their commute, like me. 
and and then there are people who you can tell are on their commute. They have a certain they're very, very focused. <laughs> they're focused. They probably have a coffee with them that they're drinking. You know, they're, shaving, putting right, on eyeliner. Right, right, right. Exactly. No, exactly. And and you can look at them and you can tell. Oh, yeah, they're they're just doing their thing. They're just headed to work, and you can tell. But I often wonder why do these people go on these roads that are so congested when there are so many other ways and. And that's just a puzzle to me. I just, I don't understand why people don't take the time to just look at, we have, you know, yeah, hmm. maybe it's, maybe it's because Google Maps or Apple Maps is sort of poisoning them saying, this is the way to go. I get, I, I have to go on Mopac. I think a lot of people use Waze. I think a lot of people use Waze. Yeah. And that will, that will tell you. Waze has, especially on car trips, we only ever use Waze. I personally only ever use it on car trips. And it is, will sometimes give you this thing that looks totally crazy, but it does actually you know, it might be like a country road, <laughs> like it'll save you like 20 minutes because it can anticipate that there's going to be a bunch of activity up near this one. It's relief. nothing short of magical in so many situations. I've I've been on road trips where it would take me off of the interstate mm-hmm. and drive some back road and put me back on the interstate. I'm like, what is it doing that? We, for? we do that. This one trip that we always take. Uh, it, it does it almost every time where it says, OK, faster route available. And I look at it on the map. And so you see this totally straight line. This is somewhere north of, uh, like, it doesn't matter where. But, you know, you'll be driving along and says, okay, faster route available. And the faster route is you take an, like a, a like two or three mile long, like, right angle or almost a right. Really, imagine it like the side of a half of a diamond. So you take this one, you go like three miles all the way east of where you need to be. And then you, you take a 90 degree turn. To, for the other side of the diamond. And now you're doing like the three miles to get you back onto the highway. And you're like, this is the craziest thing. And it's a country road. There's like cows and, you know, and uh, lettuce or whatever. But like it totally saves you 20 minutes. It's magic. Love it. Yeah. Anyway, we're probably going to get yelled at. I, I understand. I, I support your desire to yell about these things. But like so many things, like, for example, voice control, it's, I don't think it's really any longer a question of if or when. It's a question of how. You know, gig, gig economy stuffs and these sorts of things, like I don't see these things going away. It's a question of doing it well and fairly and sustainably and responsibly. I mean, I don't think you're not going to get the coal mining jobs back. You know, it's, we're, we're past that. Yeah. Did you see the article about, you must have seen this, there's a museum of coal mining in Kentucky. I haven't seen this. Totally understandable. Like, you know, coal mining, it's been important. They have a museum uh, that recently switched to solar oh because it was the only sustainable <laughs> way to be able to keep this place open was to lower their bill by oh going solar. So the, the entire roof of the coal mining museum is, is covered with uh, solar panels. I, I mm. love that. I do too. I, I do too. It. And I, I mean, it's, it is a funny ha-ha, but good on them. Can you imagine the stones it would take to go to the people on whatever their version of a board is and say, you know, hey, listen, this thing that we made to celebrate your your black and dusty past, uh, the only way we're going to keep it open is if we don't rely on that kind of energy. Yeah. <laughs> isn't, and now, isn't that another one that's changed fast? I'm not aware. I mean, we, uh, we don't have any solar of consequence involved with our house, but like we go anywhere, even like in suburbs now, it's just become so much cheaper to use it's not a pain. It's not restrictive. You know, it's like electric cars are now where solar was like in the 80s where it's like, oh, it's a hobbyist rich guy. Thing. Right, right. But now today it's like it's 
it's good. I don't know. I think it's incredible. You get places like Google where like they, there's a good chance they're going to be carbon. If they're not already, they're going to be carbon neutral at most of their places, which is a bananas idea. Ticking off the futurist hat. How you doing? You doing all right? I'm doing good. Did you watch any more Parks and Rec? Uh, no, I haven't yet. Okay. I'm on, we're on season four for probably the sixth time. Season three is so great. Season four, also so great. Leslie running for office is just, there's like five episodes in a row that are just super duper solid. Chris, uh, Chris is going to go to, is going, taking classes uh, on women's studies. Not Chris, um, Chris Pratt, who is Andy. Andy takes classes. Tom's struggling with his relationship with Anne. No spoilers. Oh, it's such a good show. But you know, and I still get notes from people who are like, it's the classic, right? We're back to this, this classic thing of like, oh my God, you've got to stop talking about Parks and Recreation. And then they go and they watch three episodes and they're like, why, why didn't you tell me about this show earlier? Why, why would people be upset about that? Because every day somebody is born who has never seen the Flintstones. And everybody who has seen the Flintstones is incredibly frustrated that people are still talking about the Flintstones. Don't make me tell that story again. No, you don't have to tell it again. Yeah, every day somebody's born who's never heard me make a joke about my Flintstones story. Um, da, 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 da. Wow, 32 minutes. Jiminy Christmas. I know. We've got we a got lot of content to cover. We've got a lot cover. to say. we got a lot to say. i got a lot of uh, tips and tricks here. Dan, why don't you tell me about something that you like? Oh, you know what I would like to tell you about today? Yeah. I would like to tell you about Hot Jar. Hot Jar. Have you ever heard of Hot Jar? Uh, Hot Jar, I had to go look it up. I hadn't heard of Hot Jar. This is a new name to me. Hot Jar is a new... It's. I don't know how new they are as a company. I think they've been around for a while, but this is one of those really fun companies I have used this kind of thing before and it it is super cool and it's one of those things you i'll describe it to you but you need to really go and see it for yourself and they make that easy and they do conversion funnels yes really really cool stuff so that it at a at a at a big picture as merlin would say Mm-hmm. They give you it is they are an all in one analytics and feedback company, but what they really do is they let you understand how your website visitors actually interact with your site and how you can make it better, whether that's helping people find the information that you're providing, whether it's helping them sign up, which they call conversion funnels or analyzing a form and how people use a form on your site and how do they do this? It's super cool. You drop a little tiny bit of tracking code into your website, but it's not the evil kind of tracking. It's really smart tracking. It actually watches how they use their mouse, what areas of the screen they hover over, which links they click on. And it shows you this with these really cool heat maps. It almost looks, you remember the movie Predator, mm-hmm. right? It's like sure. when the Predator would look around and he'd see the guy who thinks he's hiding behind the weeds and he's he's actually just like, the Predator sees him because it's his heat map. It's that's how, That's the way this works, like the infrared vision. But it's so cool. You can run this on your surveys, on your feedback polls, on your, like I was saying, on your forms, just on your main site. And you can see exactly where people are going when they when they sign up, do they kind of hover over the button and then not click it, or do they click it? And when they're not, we the, got to talk so about smart. we got to talk about form analysis because this is the kind of thing that used to cost buku bucks to do. Oh yeah, so that that sounds like such a mundane thing, but if you have if you're trying to obviously conversion funnel, that's huge. Like you know how how are you how are you are you getting your sales or your signups or whatever in the way you want? The form analysis is brilliant though because it will actually show you where people stopped filling out the form which is a great piece of UX right. feedback. Exactly. Like may, maybe our pull down menu for this could be improved. Maybe the number or types of choices here could be improved. And it lets you, you know, be able to go in and then test that. That's brilliant. It's really cool. And, you know, 
we all try, as especially those of us who are like designing a website or designing this kind of thing, we think, oh, this is easy to use. This is smart. People will know where to click. and <laughs> Works and, for me. Right. We, you know, and you're kind of guessing. And the only way you used to be able to do this is like, like you were saying, like get people in a room and like walk around and watch them. Like, mom, can you click through this website and where do you go for? No, none of that. You use Hotjar. And they actually show you how the websites are being used. It's very, very cool stuff. And it's it's really easy to get started. You get a 30-day extended free business trial. You get all of the functionality. You can learn a lot in 30 days. And I think it becomes even more valuable how much you're going to really use this service. They made a special URL for us, hotjar, hotjar.com slash B2W. That's where you'll get your 30-day extended trial and uh and it's just cool they've got a cool video there that shows how it actually works like this is one of those products that i love talking about because they do such a good job of of what they do and there's there's so few companies out there doing this it's great to see it hotjar.com slash b2w go check them out hotjar hotbox hotjar thank you hotjar for supporting five by five and back to work i have Oh, I, I, I have a quick note, quick note. Oh, sorry. Please, you there. Finally remind, remembered mm-hmm. and found the time to see the original Adventure Time pilot. Oh, Not, you know, the, the very first little cartoonish thing. You want your booties? Yes, please. <laughs> it's cute. It's cute. It's so cute. It's so cute. It's, it's all there. It's like, it's all there. Yeah, it really, it's the seed for everything. At the same time, though... I wonder how, like, I've never seen another sort of test pilot for a cartoon, so I really don't know. Like, do they all start out in such a rudimentary fashion? Sometimes, yeah. The the pilot, the well, this is not a spoiler, but Bob's Burgers, which is one of my all-time favorite shows. It's definitely my daughter's favorite TV show right now. There was a pilot. Do you know about this? There was a pilot of Bob's Burgers that was made. That's, it is a, a, almost exactly what got made into the first episode all of the right. show. Where they're they're accused of uh, of you know, there's a cannibalism plotline, and um, pretty dark. But uh, but the, the, guess what? They changed. They totally swapped the gender of one of the characters, and so what was a 13 year old boy became a 13 year old girl. Kept exactly the same voice. Was still voiced by a man, but with this wonderful 13 year old girl voice. Mm. I think that does happen a lot. I mean, my daughter will when we start watching an old Simpsons, she'll call out like whether it's an old one or a new one, which to her means. You know, is it that weird hand-drawn style or is it the CGI that she's used to? I think it's pretty common. But, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I love this episode. It used to be pretty hard to find. Yeah, it, I've never been able to find it before. And then all of a sudden, my, my boy was like, can you try again to find it? And I said, all right. And it was there. Pretty cool. Pull it up here. Yeah, I'm just trying to pull. I'm sorry. It's making noises. And so, yeah, but but it's all it's all there. I mean, it's very mature. So big changes. Um the song's a little different, but, you know, Penn sings the uh, song. And also, instead of Finn, his name is Penn. Other other uh, interesting trivia, the voice of Finn is voiced by the brother of, I think his name's Jeremy Shada, but he's voiced by the brother of the guy who would eventually uh, be the permanent voice of Finn. Well, that's interesting. And, and was he's, it, named, he's named Penn, like the creator of the show. Was Was Jake the dog voiced by john dimaggio in the in the yeah. in the and I bl- yeah i believe so yeah. and what about ice king was he still spongebob um i'm not sure if ice king is spongebob penguins <laughs> I've, i can't even tell you how many times i have watched this thing 
we will put this very definitely into show notes, Adventure Time Pilot. But you know, he, I, you know what? It's probably worth it for me to bear this albatross at least once a year. I used to make fun of you because your 404 page had a lemon guy with glasses on it, mm-hmm. looking at a note that said, "You smell like dog buns." Yeah. And I, I was like, "What? What is this? What are you? What are you doing? You're a grown man. What are yeah. you doing watching this this wackadoodle children's show?" And boy, I could not have been. I apologize. I could not have been more wrong. This show is so good and so weird and so warm. Um, and so really sophisticated, like the the whole um, what was was it called stakes? There was the whole like Marceline storyline where they had like a multi episode oh, dedicated yeah. thing called I think it was called stakes. That's a pun on her being a vampire, but it's um, it's it's a really oddly moving show. And like if you've watched this like a few times, I defy you to watch the episode called I Remember You without crying. I know. Oh, I gotta add, I gotta add that to my crying list. Oh yeah, um, I saw your I saw your list there. Oh, you should see my full list. It is got Doctor Who, Hamilton, and Les Mis, Futurama episode. Meanwhile, remember that one where time is frozen. Oh uh, yes, Lila. yes. Ugh, That's so well. Good. Isn't that the the season for the uh, the whole finale of everything? I believe it is. The Max was bickering with me about this, but I think that is the series finale, and it's really good. And then the Doctor shows up with the portal, and ah, it's so good. Yeah, I got a lot here. I'll put that in show notes. We had a recent episode of Do By Friday where the challenge was to talk about media that makes you cry. And we also talked a lot about poop. It was a really good episode. Um, so, yeah, so are you st- I, I'm not watching Adventure Time as diligently as I once was. I, sh- I need to get back into it. But the pilot is, is a delight. If you've been watching the show, I, yeah, I mean, Mike, go, Mike, go watch the pilot. My kids are absolutely, I mean, every single night at dinner time, uh, that's what's on. And because my, my children, ages nine and five, there are very few shows that they agree <laughs> on. And my son sure. will, he has his computer time after he gets home from school, he does his homework. Then he's allowed to go use the computer until dinner time. So, you know, it usually winds up being around an hour or so. And he'll come downstairs and my little girl will be watching some kind of, you know, something a five-year-old girl would like, which usually involves Tinkerbell or, you know. You do uh, My Little Pony? I'm, yes, I'm sure all that's on. I tune it out. I don't really know. Equestria Girls is pretty good. You might want to check it out. Well, also the Barbie show on Netflix is better than I think seems. he is watching. I think she is watching that and he will come downstairs and he will say, oh, M G, this no. is torture. And she'll be like, it is not. And he'll say, it is torture. No, it's not. Yes, it is. So they have finally found that there is a, there are, there are only a couple shows that they agree on right now. Okay. If, if it was, if it's up to my son, he would probably put on you know a harry potter movie or raising arizona or something you know, like kaiju yeah something like that and of course we know what she wants to watch so where they meet in between shows they both love they both love adventure time and uh, and they both enjoy simpsons but adventure time is sort of like their go-to they can put this on they can both watch it and, and so, it's fun for grown-ups too it's and it's not just in that arch like dirty joke way 
it's it's just very clever, and the language on Adventure Time is so is so lively. There are so many things that I was I had fallen out of and not been following <laughs> it, and so I'm like, wait a minute, you know, like why is there a blade of grass coming out of his oh, arm? Oh, his, his uh, grass sword. Yeah, and then other times, so, so how good. come he has an arm, then he doesn't have an arm, and then then he's got his absentee father showing up yeah, sometimes. The whole it, Susan Strong thing gets really interesting in the past season. Yeah, because this this latest season, they go and they discover a, a whole other place, like more humans. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's so many lines. I can't even tell you how many times I've watched that Adventure Time pile. There's so many lines we still use around our house all the time. I see that guy's a patoot. He's like 50 patoots. <laughs> so good. It's so good. Yeah. But um, but the the, the episode um with uh with Marceline and Simon. Simon. Uh, Simon and Marcy. I, I first, you got to watch. I, I first watch. I remember you, and then watch Simon and Marcy. Did you see the one about the origin of the Ice King's crown? Have you seen that one? About the, this Ever, is the one with Evergreen like, and the. No, I'm thinking of the one that's like the road where he wants to get her chicken soup. And, no, no, uh, that was a wonderful. That's wonderful. But I'm talking not. That's that's where he, where Simon first starts really getting sucked into yeah, being the ice. The crown's king. like making him crazy. No, I'm talking about the origin of the crown. I will seek it out. <sighs> okay, it's um ice king crown origin. Yeah, it's. I think it's evergreen. It's yes, it is called evergreen. Okay. It's the 24th episode of the sixth season. And it is Gunther? No. Gunther? No. That's all I'm going to say. Hmm. Oh, you like, like seriously? Yeah. Immediately, like as soon as we're all done. Right. I'll do it. Call all I'll things to a halt and I watch will this episode. Write up the show notes and I will watch Gunther Evergreen. Evergreen. Evergreen's crown. Okay. No, no spoilers. No, don't read it. Um,. So, and now that that's another one. There's just so many little bits from that show that like, remember when, when he sings the cheers song inside mm-hmm. of the TV? Oh, it's great. And he, and he goes, sings it again I, I to want... keep control of his ice powers to keep oh, from oh, losing himself. And then you cry. But I love, I love, I wish I had a, a, somebody, if you got it, give me an animated GIF of Marcy. What is she holding up? Like a, like a, an aluminum can. Yeah. And she goes, mute. <laughs> <laughs> I just went there's so many times where I really need that as an animated show. So good. Mute. But I'll tell She's you what. So cute. You know the the whole thing about the Cheers song mm-hmm. and the way he sings it. Taking your way in the world today. <laughs> yes. You do a good Ice King. Man, that might top your Marcy. Marcy, Marcy, pass it to me. I got ups. I got ups. It's really good. Oh my god! Like I'm freaking out. Oh, really? Thank you. No, Thank I you. wouldn't just say that because some of your stuff is. Eh. Yeah, but that's really I, I, good. I'm told by my daughter how many things I'm not funny. No, about. this is really good. Oh Thank my you. god. Okay. Oh. Uh, I some may, of those little waters you like. I may tap uh, tap you for some for some uh, voice tap work me. coming. Tap me hard. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> I think that was me. What I was saying is when he sings the Cheers song, you know that I think connects deeply with us and our age group and oh, and yeah. and a, because it's showing that so much of the show is is for us and so afterwards i i was singing the song and and uh my son was like well how do you know that song just from the show i'm like no that that was a tv show when i was growing up when i was young and he's like really and i showed him the intro to cheers it did not have the desired effect that i was hoping yeah. it would have i a little tear single tear on my cheek and he's like yeah like that show is weird was it about people in that weird time i'm like no they were modern day they were in a bar he's like why are they in a bar were they just drinking all the time i'm like forget it you know what you yeah. <laughs> can't go though can't explain it no i know i i sometimes push it a little too far like my kid's pretty <laughs> cool and she's pretty hip 
And like, so like on the one hand, when, uh, so she goes to take her shower and, uh, if she takes her shower early or her bath early, then we get, we can watch one more half hour show. That's, that's generally how it works. Right, but while sure. she's in there, that's when I get in some of my YouTube time. So she walks in in a towel last night and I'm watching a 27 minute video of Brian May explaining the making of Bohemian Rhapsody. And, uh, it was just kind of a bridge too far for her. Like she, she really did not need to hear like every single track broken down, but she did say, is that queen? I said, yes, honey, that's queen. Good work. <laughs> then we talked about Freddie, the importance of Freddie and his mustache and his shirts. Uh, God, I love queen. Uh, what was I going to say about ice King? Oh, also that episode's so good for like lots of little like insider stuff. Actually, I have two things. First of all, like you learn a little more about, Oh, that's why they call it the mushroom war. It wasn't really about, the things that grow on the ground. It's right. probably about the bombs. This is a post-apocalyptic world right. that they're living in. Right. Really played out by, and basically doing the road. Cormac McCarthy's The Road mm-hmm. as a cartoon. Um, and But then you also get the, you know, obviously, also, you recognize the um, kind of prototypical cameo by Bubblegum. Yeah. That's so great. It has a little face in it. it like, oh my God, face. that's totally going to become Princess Bubblegum. I know. And then and then it finds the, the chicken soup can. Oh, God. The protoform. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> clambulance, clambulance. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there are... But, it's an ambulance full of clams. It's the last thing in the world that he wants to find. <laughs> it's so funny. It's a and wonderful, then, wonderful show. What was the other point? Oh, and so I can also highly recommend Ryan North's run on the Adventure Time comic is very, very good. He does Squirrel Girl now. He's done lots of great stuff, but... Go and seek out the um, you know, first one, two, three trades of the Adventure Time comic. Look for the ones uh, written by Ryan North. The other ones are good, too, but the Ryan North ones are spectacular. Especially look for the one that's got the time travel arc in it where Bubblegum makes a time machine and they are abusing it. it. That's really good. But for you, Dan, I can't find this. I've been looking while we're talking and I can't find it. There is an issue. I think it might be part of one of the time travel arcs, but there is an issue that addresses them going through time and ending up in the pilot. Really? Yeah. And so they're like watching themselves and he's like, wow, I look weird. That, that's really strange. <laughs> Is that's that with really, the guy, really the, the sort of guy who's like, um, on the wall, the wall guy. He's like, you know what I'm talking about? That, that does the Legion. No, he does the time stuff, but he's sort of like, as he, <laughs> magic man. Oh no, no. I know you're thinking of, you're thinking of uh, Prismo. Prismo. That's him. Dad and me used to make those pickles. Yeah. Oh, I love Prismo. Dun, great. Uh, that's the guy from Silicon Valley. That's uh, what's Oh, really? Name? Yeah, the guy whose name I always forget. You know, that one guy. So anyway, Adventure Time's a great thing. Wow. Jeez Louise, 50 minutes. I have so much to cover here. Let's hit it. Let's go. Do it. Well, Do I had thing. a dumb idea. I had a dumb idea this morning because I was thinking about something. I just wanted, this is like a dumb little tech thing that I just wanted to share, uh, which is that you probably, if you're listening to this show and you're an Apple nerd, you're an iOS nerd, you probably already know this. I wanted to encourage people um, to look at the accessibility section of their settings on iOS. Because there are some very well-known tweaks that are really cool in there, and there are some pretty obscure ones in there. And so, I mean, obviously, they're there for a reason. They're there for people who have trouble with 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 sight or with the you know hearing or um, maybe movement uh, challenges. There's all kinds of stuff in there that is for the purpose of of you know 
helping people who are quote unquote disabled in some way. But you know what? Here's the thing. We're all disabled. Right. Like, you know, this whole court's out of order. Like everybody, <laughs> we all, <laughs> but we all, there's, yeah. all, there's stuff that, and like, I, I think it has become a somewhat controversial topic to even discuss this because like for the whole, there's the whole thing with like, you couldn't send those cool new iMessage formats unless you, for, for a time, unless you, unless you had um, reduced motion turned off. So Syracuse and I were constantly bitching about this because I don't even know what, what the phone looks like with reduce motion not turned on. I turned that off like the very first day. But, so I understand like I'm not encouraging Apple to go make features that favor me over the people who actually need these things to use the device. But with that said, there are so many great things that you can tweak inside of accessibility that can make uh, make your experience more pleasant. Could, could I share some of the ones that I... I in a, in addition to reduce motion. In addition to that, that's all on here. But so first of all, on your iOS device, you go to the settings, little gear thing. Once you're in there, you click on general. Inside of general, you go to accessibility. First, it's kind of weird that it's in the ghetto of general. It's kind of <laughs> odd. But And then you got sections inside accessibility. You got vision-related things. You've got interaction-related things. You've got lots of things involving, like, do you want the 3D touch keyboard? There are hearing things, media-related things. And I just want to I just want to say, first of all, be aware that this is there. If you haven't looked at this in a while, go and look because there's some good ones. Reduce motion. Okay, I have reduced motion turned on, and it's great. So you know, when they very first introduced the parallax, it was kind of a neat thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was kind of cool, like when you move your phone around. Uh, for certain kinds of backgrounds on your uh, wallpaper, it would like appear to sort of like move, like the stars would. It's a it's a cute trick. I thought it was completely annoying. Yeah, I thought it was and annoying. I thought it was a, a a gimmick. It's very gimmicky, but I I can get why they have things like that. But yep, yeah, shut that one off. Another one I like a lot is reduced transparency. This is not for everybody, but um, under okay, you got to look a little bit for this one. I'm looking at it. I don't see it. Go to increase contrast. Okay. And reduce transparency. And the explanation on this, it improve, improve contrast by reducing transparency and blurs on some backgrounds to increase legibility. Um, this is critical to have on, on uh, Mac OS Sierra. I, I cannot stand, I hate the thing of seeing a super blurry version of a photo behind the browser page I'm looking at. Like that is so gross to me, but I also don't like it on the phone. So what does this mean? The, the one of the one of my favorites is that now when you click on a folder from the uh, <laughs> Finder, whatever it's called, mm-hmm. I now get just a black background and a solid round rec square with no transparency. It just suits my taste more, and it uh, this is that's a very much a taste thing for me. But it does make it a little easier to see as well. Now I like that too, but I tried this on Sierra reduced transparency, and the problem that I found with it is it makes your dock like completely solid, solid too, and I can't, yeah. I cannot abide. No, I understand, I understand. Well, this is you know, this is all good stuff. There's other. What stuff does the reduce like, motion do on on OS 10? Well, I don't, I don't do it on. Did I say reduce motion? I no, you, you did not. You did not say it. But I'm curious. I'm looking oh. at that option here, and I don't you have it on OS 10. It's there. It's in Sierra. Um, I, I, I think, I mean, reduced motion, it not only does away with the parallax, you can go and Google all this, but you don't get that parallax, but I think also it just minimized the main thing with reduced motion that I, that Syracuse and I can't live without is you don't get all of the, like, you remember like with doc, you get like genie effect yeah. or all those dumb animations. Mm-hmm. You get fewer of the dumb animations. Like I don't, don't just shut that off. Like save the cycles 
and don't give me that eye candy. I don't, I don't, I don't want it. Um, one that's, you know, really probably arguably maybe the most obvious, but so obvious you might not think to look at it is larger text. So click on larger text. Now here's what's neat is you can not only, you can turn it on if you want to get larger text, but you can also turn it way down if you would actually like smaller text, kind of a strange labeling. But if you are somebody that, you know, has a small device and you'd like to fit more stuff on screen, that's one of the various ways to do that. Other ones that are just taste for me. Um, under, Did you turn yours up or down? Uh, I actually don't have it on right now. I just want to make people aware of it. Mm. Um, on off labels. Like if you don't like the current way that radio buttons work, what I would call a radio button, uh, I have on off labels on, which gives you a very colorful and super clear. It isn't just the zero or the one you get like in my case, this green background. Mm -hmm. I like on off labels a lot. That's a good one. One that's a really, a really, uh, really pretty great little hack is under, I believe this one's under hearing led flash for alerts. So the idea is if you if you have uh, hearing issues uh, and you say you get your phone sitting face down and uh, it, the LED flashes in the same way that it would beep for a notification or a call. Oh, right, right. I love this. Uh, I have this turned on. And then like I'll catch it out of the corner of my eye. Like if I have headphones on in this case and my phone is down, I'll catch that flash and the LED flash lets me know there's a notification or a call. Does it Usually. flash once or repeatedly? I think it, I, I don't remember. I don't know. I don't remember, but it does. I've seen it flash through my jeans in a movie, which is somewhat disconcerting. Looks like your pants are on fire. That's no good. And then one that is, I think, a really, and so there's tons of these. Go in and look at these. Um, uh, phone noise cancellation. I have that on, although I'm not really exactly sure that I'd notice if it weren't, but that's cool. Um, uh, okay, so you know about triple click? Yes. Okay. So the idea is there are there are several kinds of these accommodations that you can um, bind to triple click on the home button. And so it's neat. Like if there's one thing that you need all the time, I'm trying to think here, let me go look. Home button. Nope, that's not it. But like there are several of these accommodations that if you turn it on and you triple click, you then get an option of which one of the accommodations do you want. I only have one on right now, but I really really recommend it if, if you if you don't need it if you don't need triple click for other things i, I use the magnifier yep have you, have you done magnifier yeah, that's my that's my main thing um and it's it, it, yes, very cool it's partly because i'm old and my eyes are bad but like for example if you want to see the year and mint mark on a penny for example or if you want to see find like this those crazy tiny serial numbers like you ever you ever look at like you're not sure if your Apple USB electric dingus is the high wattage or low wattage one. Mm -hmm. Like good luck looking at that. Like it's like pound sign EEE -E -E color writing on this white thing. Good luck trying to read that tiny writing to, to see what that dingus is. In my case, I triple click tick, tick, tick on the home button and you get what looks pretty much like the camera view mostly, but it's, I don't even know how much zoomed in, but it's super zoomed in and on my phone image stabilized and it makes it so much easier to go in and look at tiny, tiny print on things. It's just the best. And the upside to that is that it's not like you're walking around with one of those loops or something uh, or like one of those credit card magnifying glasses like our, uh, our, yeah, our exactly grandparents right. used I, I to use. use. It, I use it maybe three times a week. Other ones, I think you can, um, I think that magnifier is one. Zoom for the, like zooming the text is another one. Zoom magnifies the entire screen. 
Wow. Double tap, double tap three fingers to zoom, drag three fingers to move around. That is so cool. And I think that is another one you can call up. Anyway, this is mostly a way of saying, hey, if you're not aware of this, there's a thing called accessibility. Even if you're aware of that, go in and have a look around and experiment with what's in there because you might be able to tune your experience to more the way you want to roll. And like I say, for me, that starts with reduced motion. If you like motion, you know, Hakuna Matata. But I, I really like not getting the extra animations and stuff. So that's my tip. You know, and if they don't like it, they can just turn the thing back off, right? Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll uh, refund your money. Yep. Dan, did you want to did you want to talk about one more thing that you like? Yeah, I can tell you about our friends over at uh, a company called Squarespace. Squarespace used them twice. Used them twice today. What twice? Actually, twice. Well, once yesterday, once today. Well, yes. What happened? Well, I posted a new episode of the podcast Roderick on the Line, which we do entirely through Squarespace. There you go. They do the image hosting. They do the podcast hosting. They do it all. And I went in today to um, go look at my MerlinM.com slash meetup page and make sure everything was correct. And it was all correct. So I didn't have to change anything. But it's, it's a delight to use. You know what? If you're in business, do your business. Let somebody else be in the webmaster business is That's all right. I'm saying. Give me the F's and B's. You got any of the F's and B's on Squarespace? Yes, I can tell you uh, the the way that they work. They are set up so that it's very easy for you to come in and create a one of a kind website. You start with their great templates. You pick from this huge gallery of templates, and then you get in there and you start tweaking. You can change the fonts, or you can leave. I mean, you go stock. It's up to you. You do whatever you want here. Okay, but if you want to get down there and really customize the site and make it look and feel like you're completely your own thing, like no other site out there, you can do that. And one of the things that I like to do, I have a couple Squarespace sites. It's a really cool thing is later on, who doesn't get kind of bored of the way their site looks or the things Mm -hmm. that, that, you know, you might want to change it. This is what's great about Squarespace is you can change your entire site, whether it's hundreds of blog posts or, uh, or image galleries, podcast episodes, whatever it is that you're doing up there. You can make a total change to every single page on the site, the way it looks, the way it feels, the way it works, just by going and picking a new template. And the way that they do it is you pick the new template, you then go in, start making your changes. None of that's live until you actually say, yes, turn this on. Now the site looks like this. And it happens all at one time. And it's amazing. Little details like that, all the e-commerce stuff that's built into it. I mean, you name it, they pretty much do it and they make it really, really easy Great for creative people. But like Merlin said, why do you want to get into the website business if that's not what you do for a living? Let somebody, let a company like them who's really good at this just do it for you. Can I mention one thing they do that I wish everybody would do? Yeah. They let you accept Apple Pay. So you can receive payments. Mm-hmm. Via, I think it's via Stripe. Yeah. But like the thing is, you need to use Apple Pay on a website pretty much once to never want to use anything ever again. I don't don't know exactly what their implementation is, but like, you know, with Apple Pay, it does the payment. It puts in your shipping information. And like I was getting, ordering my kid a pair of shoes today and it's like, oh my God, it seems like it's such a drag to go through that. They take care of that for you. Mm -hmm. It's all in there. It's all done. Done. They do the Stripe, they do the PayPal. Look at that, look at that. So you go to squarespace.com and you use the offer code, it's your show, all one word, to get 10% mm-hmm. off your first purchase and show your support for the uh, the lovely Back to Work program with Merlin Mann. So again, squarespace.com, it's your show to get 10% off your first purchase. Share with your friends. Squarespace. 
Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting 5x5 five five and Back to Work. Boom. <clears throat> I just added a link to show notes. It is uh, one of the better Wikia sites is the one for Adventure Time. And um, they have a transcript of that episode as well. Of Algebraic. Which, which episode is transcribed? Sorry, the pilot. Oh, the pilot is. E0, S0, E0. What are, you me- what are you meditating about, dude? Wait, dude. I'm connecting to the internet with my mind. Ha ha. Beep, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> it feels very, it feels like everything is there, but it still feels very different. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's. God, How do no. they get from that to episode one, the first episode with the, the that's the zombie one, right? It's at the party. They have like the, the party. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. I know, I know. It's nuts. Well, they have a very, they've had such a talented team over the years. I um, I think you, you can definitely start at the beginning and get it, but uh, my usual, I should update this, see if it's still what I think it is, but the episode called uh, The Enchiridion, I think is a very good first Wonderful. episode. It really gives you a flavor for the show. Also, it's changed the way that I say thank you. Remember, each time he like gets a new thing accomplished and gets congratulated, he says, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's really cute. You kind of got to see it. <clears throat> Seven years dungeon. No trials. I like, I like lemon grab. I, I, they took that in some weird directions, the lemon grab stuff. Oh man. Yeah. It basically, uh, yeah, it's Mike Huckabee's family. Um, so we had, uh, uh several, uh, interesting bits of feedback. We learned about uh, a guy who was going to be on our show who is a, uh, <laughs> Let me see. He's a, he's a peak, peak performer. Right. Mm-hmm. He's going to be on. Yeah, he'll be on. Did you, did you, did you visit his website? I did not visit the website. <clears throat> it's a heck of a thing. Yeah. He's like, he's like human SEO. Oh, really? <laughs> you human ever meet somebody? SEO. You meet somebody that they're like walking, talking, perspiring, weightlifting SEO. As a, if SEO were a human being, it would be this guy. <clears throat> that is not intended as a compliment. No. Okay, we've got two questions. We've got a question for listener Michelle from listener Michelle and a question from listener Jason. And I want to just reiterate, I don't have good answers to these, but I think they're great questions. So should we try uh, jump in and get at least one of these? Yeah. Listener Michelle, <clears throat> I love this question. How do I keep my colleagues from launching into important or detail-oriented conversations with me when they happen to catch me in the hallway? She goes into more detail. I tend to be a person who doesn't like to be put on the spot and who needs to have things either written down or stored digitally someplace. Hello, me too. Otherwise, I quickly become overwhelmed and am prone to losing track. She, just jumping down a little further, you know, someone who's usually friendly and well-meaning catches me in the hallway and when I'm on the way to the copy room or whatever. They launch, uh, they launch into stuff I'm not in a position to write down. Uh, I absolutely will not remember enough of the details to follow up. And so how does she handle that? She says, I don't want to be seen as standoffish, inaccessible, or rude, but I also don't want my time to be held hostage by people. We we are Merlin responsible for too damn much information retention. I don't think any of us do a good job of it. We have to write this thing down. And so what she's yeah. describing is the I think all too familiar scenario of, you know, she has to take a break from the thing that she's doing at her desk and she's got to go make copies or she's got to go run down to the other office for some reason. And on her way somebody sees her and pulls her over and says, "Yo, Michelle, like I got to talk to you about this one thing." But that's not where her mind's at. Her mind's still back at her desk solving that problem or thinking about the thing that she's got to go and do. And this other person who is of, of, of a different personality type, perhaps, or just wants to unload his or her burden onto her so that he doesn't have to think about it anymore or she, uh, that they then sort of um, 
ambush her on her way there and say, oh, you know, I wanted to make sure I told you to do this thing. So don't forget, because we got to have that by Tuesday. All right, see ya. Or worse, they just want to chat with her for like 10 minutes. And so now she's completely derailed from the task at hand. And by the time she gets back to her desk, 30 minutes have gone by when she only allocated five. And she doesn't remember anything from that conversation. And she's lost track of what she was working on. Yeah. It's like Jack down in the in the basement, Wendy. Darling. When you come Is in here. Is that Peter Pan? What? <laughs> No, The Shining. Oh, oh, God. Uh, the whether old, you hear uh, me typing or whether you don't hear me typing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't good. come in here. You understand? Want some ice cream, Doc? Um, <laughs> old, uh, old supposed proverb attributed to various Chinese people. If you chase two rabbits, you will lose them both. I think <laughs> this is a cliche. Cream, doc. What's my ice cream, Doc? <laughs> got it's the called a shine. <laughs> I love that he's played by groundskeeper Willie. I know. In the Simpsons version. I know. It's so good. Oh, he's got the shinning. <laughs> um, so if you uh, have heard this various ways, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's Chinese. I don't care. Uh, if you chase two rabbits, you will lose them both. And boy, that is so good to remember. So what, what does that mean? Well, it means the obvious, which is that like, if you try to do two things at once, you will end up doing neither of them. You know, in this case, these two rabbits are going to run in other in different directions. You've got to pick a rabbit that you're going to chase and hopefully capture. Capture, And I think that's kind of what she's saying here. Because if you think about it, you're not only is it an uh, unwanted and potentially stressful interruption, but it's forcing you to, to split your attention. Like not only are you now splitting attention from what you were focused on before, but now you're half attended to whatever topic that dingling person just came up with, good hearted or not. So I want to start by saying, I feel you, Michelle, not in a mean way, but like, I totally know what you're talking about. I think it's frustrating too. I think it's understandable. I think it's something where like, if you do run a, I see, I do this. I feel like I do this with my wife sometimes where like, or she'll do it to me where like you come in the door and as soon as the person comes in the door, you start giving them lots of information and telling them things. And like, it's like, you know what? Don't do that. Like let her come upstairs and be a person for a minute before you start deluging <laughs> this person. It's, right. it's, it's hard to not do that because you go, oh my God, you got to see like, uh, you know, Ellie just made a really huge roller coaster in, my, in Minecraft. You've got to see this. It's like, you know, actually she doesn't got to see that. Give her a minute. But I think that's, that's a very common thing is when you see somebody, if you don't catch yourself, you're very likely to uh, be a, a pest. So, I mean, like the, the, the obvious, not obvious, the super useful thing here would be for all of us to get better about not unintentionally being that person and for us to get better at being the person who says, I just had a phone call. Every phone call I have, you know my phone calls. Every phone call with me begins exactly the same way. First question, is this still a good time to talk? Honestly, ask, is this still a good time to talk, right? I'll, I'll, I'll get to her how to address her side of this in a second, but we could all be better at not being the interruptee uh, grabbing somebody's attention person. And that requires being a little bit more mindful and being more thoughtful about how we do things. And this certainly extends far beyond somebody who's on the way to the copy machine. This happens in all kinds of things. Think about how many emails you have sent or received that were the equivalent of somebody thinking out loud, right? I mean, I'm also want to go from the school. Like you get these emails that are just like, well, okay, and so you want me to do what? Like there's a lot of emotion and like a, an animated GIF for a signature, but like w do all the thinking and then make the email your work product. That's, this is a good way to be a good citizen of the office, the home, the family, the school. Don't you think? 
I do. Like, you know, let it begin with me. Right. Because I mean, honestly, it's easy, I think, for us to get distracted and to think about our own things, you know, and we don't take that, like you said, is this still a good time to talk? That kind of sets the right tone too and the right mood. It says to the other person, you know what, maybe this isn't an okay time and I'm open to doing something at a different time. You know, that, that openness also sets a tone. It tells the other person that you're not just here for yourself. You know what I'm saying? Totally. And there's also, there's a, there's a terrible, sad irony in what she's facing. If I can, if I'm reading correctly and like, obviously she's a little self-conscious, self-conscious of not wanting to seem dismissive, unkind, uncollegial, I get the feeling from her email address that she works at uh, or is involved with an educational institution. Those kinds of places, collegiality and go along, get along are very important. You do not want to appear as somebody who's married to somebody who works at a university. Being uncollegial is just about the worst bozo bit that you can flip. But here's the the sad, painful irony inside of that. And this kind of goes back to lots of old school 43 folder stuff. Um, If they're, they're not taking their own thing that seriously. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, if they were taking it seriously, it would be more than something where you interrupt somebody in the hallway. If it's important, why don't you treat it like it's important? And the irony is that listener Michelle is ultimately saying, hey, you know, in my parlance, if this is important to you, it can be important to me. So let's treat this like something that's worth taking seriously. And we can get into some behavioral, you know, um, tricks here maybe but i think that's that's the painful part in the middle of this is yeah personally you don't want to look like a jerk but professionally you want to say look i need to like for me like if it's something on the calendar it's got to go on the calendar and it's got to go on the calendar now otherwise it's not going to happen and then you could see somebody saying oh you know why are you being so fancy about this like why don't we just zip a zap go grab some coffee and it's right. like well no i don't zip a zap anything like i think it all out i look at it in context i decide what i have to reject in order to do that and i cannot do that if I just spend my day chatting in the hallway. Yeah. So do we agree mostly on the setup here? Yeah, totally. Okay. Very, very practical steps here. Uh, Question number one for listener Michelle, is this, well, one of of three things. Is this pretty much 95% one person that's doing this? Is this a randomly changeable handful, two to six people that do this? Or is it pretty much everybody that you work with? Because I think the way you treat it will be heavily governed by which one of those it is. Don't, don't you think? Yes, I do. In some ways, if it's exactly one person that does this, that is, it's not easy, but it's simple. Uh, you got to go talk to that person mm-hmm. and say, look, if, it's, if it is one person, well, first of all, just rip off the Band-Aid. Go talk to them and say, go to them and show them, model, as we say, like you would model behavior for a child, model good behavior and say, hey, there's a thing I want to talk to you about. You got a couple minutes this afternoon. Could I come over to your office? Right. Hmm. That's good behavior modeling. And go and say, hey, look, you know, we're both busy. And, um, and you can even lie a little. I encourage you to lie. You can lie and say, look, I'm kind of worried that I'm not giving you what you need for your projects. Not really true. But like, I want to make sure I'm doing what you need. And in order for me to do that, I want to make sure that we, you know, take this seriously. Okay. Now to the next step regardless of how many people, but especially if it's one person. Is it about lots of different topics and random things? Is it about one kind of topic? Is it about something that's always late? Find the patterns. And if the pattern ends up being, uh, the easy one would be, it's one person who's mainly forgetful and a little flighty. Well, you have to address that in the way that's appropriate for that person. 
Uh, if it's one person who's doing like a million different topics, well, that's going to be tough because you can't change those people. But you see where I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. That the, the way that you choose to address this, it depends a lot on that. I think about being a teacher in a class. Do you have one disruptive student? Do you have five disruptive students? Or do you have 25 disruptive students? Because on the other end of the scale, if it's pretty much everybody in your company doing that about pretty much everything, that might be a fairly toxic environment. And you need to really consider the nature of what your job is if, if addressing what those people need is important. That was going to require a rethinking. And maybe potentially a visit you know, with the boss to talk about what's going on because that's untenable. The more likely and most difficult position is it's just a random thing that happens sometimes and you're mostly bugged by it. And I think you just have to be honest with people. I mean, if, if you can tolerate it right then, I mean, the other thing to do is write yourself a note about what you're doing right now. But if it's really getting under your skin or maybe more importantly, if it's affecting the quality of your work, I think you have to say something. And I think you don't, you, I think you can really present it fairly honestly, fairly candidly and say, look, we've all got a lot going on. I, 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 this is not sustainable for me. I need to write things down. I hope that doesn't make me seem tightly wound, but that's like, if you want this thing done and I, and I'm going to help you with that, then we have to have a way of working together on that. I don't know how you get around that. If it's a handful of people and a bunch of things, then you either are going to suffer in silence and drive yourself bananas. Well, okay. Okay. Pause for a second. I remember when you and I first started to do the show and we would chat and things like that. And you would say, Oh, I'd love, you know, I'd say, Hey, do you want a quick call or a call or something? And you'd say, yes, I would love to do that. How about, you know, Wednesday at 4 PM. And I'd say, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. That's fine. And you would say, look, I I have to have it on my calendar. Mm -hmm. And at first that seemed, you're not the first, you're not, you're not, you're not the first to find that. No, it just, it seemed kind of, I was like, wow, he's a little formal. Right. He's being a little formal about having like a casual conversation. But of course, over the years, learning, learning from you on the show and other things that I'm exactly the same way now because I've, I've even, and my wife hates it because she'll say, oh, did you, you know, did you do such and such? I'll say, well, you know, no, because it wasn't on my calendar, but I'll, I'll put it on there now. And Having things scheduled like that, knowing what your time is, helps set expectations. It helps you relate to other people what you can and realistically can and can't do because you can see what's going on. And if there's some big, big empty space in your calendar, mm-hmm. uh, then then that means you can fill it with something. But if there isn't a space, you, oh, you it's, can't. It's a totally different worldview. It's such a different worldview. I'm realizing that I, I may have a, a really bizarre mental model, but this this might be worth sharing depending on the kind of person you are, I'll just say for myself that um, I, I wonder if we all might have an unconscious mental model about how easy or difficult it is to do things in general. And honestly, I mean, maybe this is because I used to be a project manager. Maybe it's because I'm not a very efficient person, but I always assume that things are going to be hard. And I'm, I'm, I'm frequently delighted when they're not difficult. But I, I think... I feel like I have like a personal ratio, unconscious ratio in my head about the normal number of things that come up over a given period of time that you don't have control over but have to deal with, right? So I, I imagine like a normal healthy-ish person has a roughly one-to-one ratio of what you do and what you don't do. So that would be a way of saying like, well, I have a thing that I'm doing on Tuesday, which means that like there's this other thing that I can't do on Tuesday. Now, me, as somebody who's very conservative about this, I would put that more at five to one. When I, whenever I agree to do something, I'm basically 
it's, you don't realize what value you're getting out of me because I'm <laughs> mentally losing my mind over what I'm going to call a five to one ratio. Hmm. I'm thinking there could be five different things I'm going to have to say no to cancel or move in order to not have to cancel your thing, which is why I'm really, I'm really conservative about this stuff. If we do have a call, it might be 20 minutes, it might be 30 minutes, it's not going to be two hours. Cause in my head, that's like of the five to one ratio idea. It's like, you know, I need to account for the fact that I might have to do an early pickup or I might account for the fact that like there's, you know, maybe there's something like with a health thing in the family. But like if you're not thinking about that, I admit I am overly conservative. The people who scare me are the people who have a zero to one ratio where they basically think anything can happen anytime because they really haven't thought it through. Those are the scariest people in a company to me. And maybe it's a straw man, but I really think it's a thing that there are some people that don't think about dependencies. They don't think about critical path. They don't think about milestones. They don't think about resource allocation and resource leveling. They don't think about any of the things that people like me are utterly obsessed with. We're like, I used to be as a project manager, I was basically a professional pessimist. It was my job to find out, are you sure you got all the time zones right on this call? Are you sure? Okay, so if we're having a call, are we all in a room? No, we're in different rooms. Okay, does everybody have Skype installed? It's, it's dependencies all the way down once you start thinking that way. So I, I don't mean to rant, but I, I think it does help to understand that different people think differently. And I, I, I apologize if I'm making a straw man, but like I don't want everybody to be as uptight as me about this, but I would like people to think a little bit more about what's involved in everything that we undertake and to get much pissier about what you put on a calendar. But like, you know, if you're dealing with people who think it's weird that you need to write things on a calendar, well, they need to go to some kind of education camp. Like that's weird. If it's not on the calendar, it's not real. Like I wish more people would do that. Because you know what? I mean, I don't want to be unkind. The kind of people who don't write things down on calendars are exactly the kind of people who space things. They don't show up for things. Right. They end up canceling at the last minute because they forgot they actually had two things written down because they're not treating their calendar like the law. I mean, that your calendar is your existential contract with the universe. Like whatever you, that sounds silly, but it's true. If you forget something really important, there's nobody to blame but yourself. So part of this is like, I think it's useful to understand that we all think differently. I also want to just say to Michelle, I would be disinclined toward lowering your standards about the proper way to do these things. And I would also be disinclined toward letting the barometric pressure of irresponsibility in your office be a thing that causes you to slip and slide in a way that makes you less mentally, emotionally, and professionally healthy. I would push back on that in a nice way, but do push back. We, we cannot allow our own standards to be degraded by the person who's least interested in treating these things responsibly. You know, and you can, you can change that culture by being great at what you do, especially if people look up to you or look aside at you on your team. If they're seeing that you're getting stuff done with less stress by being more responsible about this stuff, I don't know. I think that's a good thing. It's worth doing just because it's the right thing to do, but it's also worth doing because it can save you from becoming a total crazy person. No, it really can. And, and there's one other thing that it, today it's so easy to send somebody a calendar invite. Like it's the easiest thing. Doesn't cost anything. It doesn't cost anything. And a lot of it's so integrated into the operating systems that we have. You don't even need to have a calendar invite. If someone says, Hey, do you want to have lunch here at two P at you know one PM? Your your mail client will probably recognize that that looks like a date and you can click it and add a calendar event right from there. That kind of thing is there's really no excuses anymore to not do this kind of thing. Uh, mm -hmm. and, it, and it really does 
make things so much easier. And I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, like, like you suggested, going to someone and saying, listen, I, I'm the kind of person that I'll forget if I don't have it on my calendar. So let's set up a time to talk about this and put it on our calendar. Otherwise, I, I won't retain the information. Make it about your own personal failings. I won't retain yeah. no, it, it sucks the information. to have to do that, but you're right. And then you can also, if you're being a really uh, good soul, you could also then, I mean, I'm not saying this is easy. I'm saying this is simple. It could be something as simple as, uh, okay, let me pause you just for a second there. I definitely got to finish what I'm doing right now. Can I come to your office right after lunch to talk to you about whatever you want to talk about? That would be, that would be, might be one way to do it. Um, but I also want you, listener Michelle, I want you to be prepared for the fact that there are always going to be people who are resistant to any kind of even kind pushback or reframing of that situation. And you can't change that. Not to be all Dr. Phil, but like accept the fact that there are people who operate very differently from you. But like, don't let yourself be bullied by that um, to the extent that you can. It depends a lot on like, who is it somebody you work with a lot? Is it somebody who's like above your pay grade? But like you can adapt an approach that will be hopefully unharmful and potentially useful for almost every kind of toxic personality type. But there are always going to be types and like, don't let them drag you down. It's my thought on that. I like that. I don't think we have time to do another question. Well, we can, uh, we can bench it. We'll bench it, bench oh, yeah. it. Listener, listener, our friend, uh, listener Jason had an interesting question about management. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll get to that uh, next time. I like that idea. And the song's back, right? The song's back. Oh, it's back. <sighs> back times yeah. ten. I made mm. it even louder. Hey, uh, well, let's button this up. I love you. Love you too, Merlin man. 